Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent conversations we've had on JM in the AM. Dr. Leora Gottlieb, not only a professor of Bible study at Bar-Ilan University, but Mayor Weingarten of Blessed Memories, Chavrusa of the last 17 and a half years. Dr. Gottlieb joined me during Shiva to discuss the amazing Mayor Weingarten. Here's that conversation on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. It is a great honor to um, introduce to this audience uh, Dr. Lior Gottlieb. Dr. Lior Gottlieb is the professor of biblical is a professor of biblical studies in the Tanakh department of Bar Ilan University. And before I introduce Lior, and he does prefer, don't think I'm being uh, disrespectful, everybody. Uh, Lior does prefer to be introduced as Lior, and in this case, certainly as a close friend of Mayor Weingarten. Lior had the uh, same privilege I had this week of being a masbid. Mayor publicly, uh, I on this side of the world, and Lior yesterday in Beit Shemesh. Um, but uh, just just again, in, in praise of Mayor, I'm sure this will embarrass Lior, but in praise of Mayor, um, I, I just want people to understand the caliber of person that Mayor studied Torah with on a weekly basis, twice a week for over 17 years. Um, and what tremendous joy, what tremendous tremendous joy Mayor got from his conversations, his official study with, and his interaction with Dr. Lior Gottlieb. Tremendous joy, tremendous insight, and you are our beloved JMNAM listeners, without even knowing it, without even knowing it, we're beneficiaries of the uh, of the incredible mechanech Mayor Weingarten, the incredible teacher, Mayor Weingarten, often because of what he studied with Dr. Lior Gottlieb. Lior, shalom. Welcome to JM in the AM. Shalom, Nahum. Shalom to all your dear listeners. Shalom l'acheinu Beit Yisrael begolat America from Eretz Yisrael. Uh, we are in mourning, Lior. This is something you confirmed to me in an email overnight that I should not think otherwise. We're literally in a period of mourning, maybe one where we're not required to sit Shiva. Obviously, we weren't related to Mayer. Uh, but it's going to take some time for people like you and me, other friends of Mayer, and obviously his listeners, to get over this. And we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that as we have these discussions, hopefully, 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 they will bring a measure of nechama uh, to us about losing a friend so suddenly. Um, Lior, I need you to to do something similar to what I just did. Tell everyone in this audience just how sharp and how incredible a chacham, how incredible a scholar Mayer was, especially as it relates to our Holy Torah. You're asking, you're asking to hear how sharp he was, and he was sharp. You're asking to hear how intelligent he was, and he was intelligent. But if you if you don't mind, I think that the real point was his heart. Yeah. He he used his mind, he used his brain, he used his intelligence. But it was his heart that pulled him and and drew him to do so through the Torah. And he was thirsty for Torah. He was thirsty for Torah Eretz Yisrael. He was thirsty to learn the, the the origins of every Hebrew word that he studied in the Torah. Yeah. And we did that methodically, 
systematically. And it was a pleasure for me, just as I know I, I, I'm saying this without any hubris, it was also a pleasure for him. Yeah, he loved it, absolutely loved it, the joy that it brought him. Lior Gottlieb is with us. To us, he's always been Lior, because as I always say, Mayer would keep us up to date on everybody in his life. And Lior was so important. You know, Lior, I, you may have heard this because I, I believe I mentioned it on Monday because so many people always ask me, how did I first meet Mayer? Because they looked at us. Oh, and by the way, Lior, <laughs> I, I, when, when I mentioned, when I mentioned that I, that I jokingly called Mayer Kalev, Caleb, I would always say Caleb, <laughs> and he would call me Joshua. Um, I, I envisioned the mayor rolling his eyes <laughs> um, as I was referencing that. Having you reference that yesterday <laughs> and telling the world, Yoshua Vakalev, that that was our that that was, that those were our role models when it came to how to report about Israel. <sighs> it just left me speechless. But but Lior, and I can't thank you enough for that. But Lior, I have to. Uh, you, you know, when it comes to me and Mayor, there was always a a a, a brotherly humor between the two of us. And if Mayor was sitting here and I had this letter from 1988 that he wrote to me that included the following, I probably would call you during the conversation with Mayor on the air and ask you to defend me in this in this um, uh, criticism that he levied at me. In that uh, in what in the second letter he ever sent me, he writes during the month of Elul, you mentioned the chapter in Tehillim which begins LeDavid Hashem Oriviishi, and of course he puts a period after LeDavid. The proper way of saying it would be to pause after the word Ladavid, indicating that there is a period after the word, and then Hashem Ori, which is really the beginning of the chapter. So let me just review for the audience. I would announce back then, a young Nahum Siegel would announce, that tonight we begin to say Ladavid Hashem. And Mayer says, no, either you say Ladavid Hashem Ori Ve'ishi, or just say Ladavid. And that was the discussion. Lior, why was he so anxious regarding the accuracy of psukim, of translations, and even Nahum Siegel referring to the paragraph of the month of Elul properly. Because he was passionate about Hebrew, and every word in Hebrew has a meaning. And for someone who knows Hebrew to hear the, the, the connection of the two words, Ledavid Hashem, that's meaningless. It's, it's taking the words of the Psalms out of their context. And that for Mayer, that for Mayer needed to be corrected. And he's right. Ledavid is the, the <laughs> title, if you will, the, the, the pre, the, the preface to the Psalm. Right. And Hashem Ori Vishi is the opening, is the opening cry of a servant of God who trusts God and therefore sees in God both his light and his salvation. On Erev Rosh Chodesh Elul coming up, if I'm chuckling as I remind people about Ledavid, they'll understand why. Lior Gottlieb is with us from Israel. We're, of course, speaking about our dear friend, Mayor Weingarten. You know, it's funny, Lior, I came across an email that, um, I'm sure you recall this one, it was recent, where a listener had suggested that there was a relationship between a certain word and the word Nachash, and 
Mayer wrote back to this listener, he CC'd me on it, that uh, that he had spoken to you. And there is no relationship between those two words. And Mayer, of course, you know, was not trying to be disrespectful. He just wanted to make sure the accurate information about that was um, was being transmitted. And, there, and I said to myself, wow, I'm assuming that Mayer and Lior are intertwined in their showresh or in their... Uh, relationship, am I making a mistake? Or yes, is Mayer and Lior intertwined the way you and Mayer were? Indeed they were, because the beauty of the Hebrew language, the, uh, the, the entire idea of a Semitic language is that words have roots. And different words, if they are, um, if they are carved from the same root, are related. Mm. And Mayer indeed comes from the root or, light. Meir means to give light. Lior means to have light. So you can say <laughs> that uh, um, in, the, in the Chavruta relationship that Meir and I shared, you understand who the source of light was and, and who enjoyed and basked in that light. I was as much a recipient as I was a giver. I know exactly what you mean by that. Lior Gottlieb is with us from Israel. Lior, I would assume you you were tuned in when the um, when the funeral was taking place in New York, and yes. and, of, and of course, I never as much as as much time as Rabbi Fass and I have spent on Parsha Shlach, and we have twenty years worth of archives of analysis of Parsha Shlach, because after all, what what more important messages are there that we transmit on this program more than Eretz Israel? I noticed, and that's why I quoted that Pasuk during the eulogy, I noticed that it was that it was the combination of Yoshua and Kalev that obviously had this desire to to impart on the Jewish people that they are wrong, meaning the other Meraglim, are wrong with their approach, and that they know the truth about Eretz Yisrael. But the the words that, that I quoted, and remember, I called Mayor Caleb, the words that I quoted sounded like an angry Kalev. Yehoshua's not attributed to those words. It's Kalev who's attributed to na'ale. You know, like, enough. Stop. You know, you know, stop your negativity. We are going, and we are going to be able to conquer the land, as the word of God has indicated. And I, and I wonder if, in fact, I was right, that if you read the dialogue and the narrative, Kalev was the more enthusiastic one was the more aggressive one when it came to waking up the jewish people and being ole and being and 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 going up to and acquiring the land of israel indeed that's why in the parsha there are places where Kaleb himself is singled out where yeshua is not mentioned where the torah says he followed my words. He singled out. And, and you see that, you see why he singled out, exactly because of the, the words that you quoted before. Yeah. I don't know 
I don't know if, if we must read them as angry words. Right. We certainly can read them as words of strength. And that's what he was trying to give to his, uh, to his brethren, to the Israelites. Don't fall into the trap of, of, of weakness. You have the strength to do it. You are able to do it. God is on our side. Trust him. Yeah, not just enthusiasm. He had to give encouragement. Encouragement. And Lior, you probably know this. The encouragement that he gave me. The encouragement to... Because, again, like I said on on Tuesday, there were so many times I would sit Shabbat afternoon in my apartment with Mayer and just lament. Lament the Jewish people. Why aren't they getting it? Why aren't they getting it? Why are they concentrating on the Kotel instead of Harabayit? Why, why, why? And he would sit there saying, Nahum, step by step, the gula is a slow, tedious process. I encourage you to keep going because in the end it's going to be worth it. So it's amazing that he was the Caleb because he was the one always giving the encouragement. The word word for uh, both trust and belief and faith in Hebrew is emunah. And that's the word that we use. But the primary meaning of emunah in the Torah has nothing to do with faith or trust. It has to do with uh, its primary meaning is to, to have to be in a straight line. For example, Moshe Rabbeinu in, in the war against Amalek, he, he was able to lift his arms and keep them straight till the setting of the sun. Now, a straight line, in order to see a straight line, you need patience. It's not one dot. It's not two or three dots. You need to, to wait and see many, many dots join each other until it becomes a straight line, until it's a line that you can see. Mayer had both the faith and the patience to realize that that's the path of the Yeah. He never stopped reminding us of it. And most importantly, he never stopped reminding me because then he knew that thousands of people would get that reminder. Finally, Lior, um, I told the story this morning about the coincidence, and of course we know there's no such thing as coincidence, of Jonathan Pollard being there when Mayer was brought to uh, the cemetery. Uh, those of you who missed the story, just before 7 o'clock this morning. And um, when when Jonathan Pollard was told, and I was there when it happened, that when Mayor m- met with President Clinton, the 15 seconds he had, he spent asking President Clinton to release Jonathan Pollard. And when pa- Jonathan Pollard was told this yesterday, he reacted in many ways about, you know, praise for your friend Mayor. You know, he was speaking to one of Mayor's friends. And he, he, of course, included in his remarks one who saves or tries to save a Jew and one who, of course, eventually saves him as if they save the entire world. And, Lior, I wanted to ask you about this because you are a literalist. Uh, not exclusively. We, you, we know you're a spiritual man, and therefore I'm sure you are, you are open to many you know, broad interpretations. But you are a literalist, as, and that's what, you know, one of the things Mayer loved about you because he was so, as we've been discussing, so middakadeik so careful about uh, what Scripture actually says compared to what people think Scripture actually says. Uh, 
What is your interpretation? We know, obviously, in reality, if one saves one person, they're not really saving an entire world. What does Lior Gottlieb think that that means? What's your approach when you hear, when one saves one person, one saves an entire world? I'll give you two quick answers. Answer number one is that that was Chazal's way of giving us the moral, the moral weight, the moral value of one human life. One human life is shakul kineged kol haolam kulo, and that's that's a moral teaching um, that is important to learn. And they learn that from a literal, from a literal approach to the verse, called Dene in the plural instead of Dam in the in the singular. That is one approach. Another approach is to understand, you know, I, I said before that a root of a Semitic word allows us to, to create a group of words. Yeah. And, you know, you and I were speaking about Meir as our dear friend. Right. In Hebrew, in Hebrew, the word for friend that we use today is haver. Haver literally means connected. Because the root, chet bet haver, that's what, that's what the verb lichaber means, chibur, lichubar, when you have a chaver, you are connected to him. And if you understand the value of a human life, if you're connected to other people, then indeed the loss of a life is not just the loss of a bad life. It's, it's an injury to the entire organism <sighs> that is fully yeah. connected. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're feeling now, Nahum. We're a... feeling we're feeling the wound of that connection being severed. That's an understatement, and I think many people listening know exactly what you mean as well. As I as I thank you, Liar, and I'm going to thank Liar in advance because we don't know exactly how much because he is. Uh, involved in so many projects, but Bezrat Hashem, he will be participating with us over the, over the next uh, period of time, known as Shloshim, in segments dedicated to the memory of Mayor Weingarten, which we'll explain at the appropriate time, and I thank him in advance for that. But we are, um, in conclusion, as you and I and so many others are in this state of mourning, I will ask you, is there a historical precedent Indicating if Joshua can continue on without Caleb. Joshua and Caleb together, each in his own way, gave strength to the people and encouraged the people. And the root of encourage in English is courage. If the Jewish people, if they take the strength and the courage that is needed to take their fate 
into their hands, Joshua and Caleb will have accomplished their mission. And by doing so, they will always be together, no matter where they are. How right you are. How right you are. Lior, I send you and your family, Tanhumim, and um, I, I continue to thank you. The joy that Mayer had from the words of Tanakh, often because of you, brought him what I was, would describe as the greatest joy. We should continue to be able to remember him with this incredible love and incredible fondness and uh, to memorialize him properly as we all suffer in the aftermath of his sudden passing. Thank you so much for joining all of us this morning. You're very welcome, and I want to thank you for honoring a man who is so worthy of this honor. (sighs) The least I can do. More coming up. You're listening to a Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Dr. Lior Gottlieb. Rabbi Aryeh Kersner, he's author of the book Halacha at Home. Go to artscroll.com. Use promo code radio. Here's my conversation with Rabbi Aryeh Kersner on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, with us live via telephone is Rabbi Aryeh Kersner. I remind you that our friends at Artscroll. Every time you order anything from Artscroll, do me a favor and do yourselves a favor. Use promo code radio because then you get a massive discount and you get free shipping. Even if you spend 10 bucks, you get free shipping. There's no minimum if you use promo code radio. So always use promo code radio when ordering from Artscroll.com. Today, you're going to want to order uh, Rabbi Kersner's brand new book. It's called Halacha at Home, Safer Hilcho Tabayit, an in-depth halacha guide uh, to the Jewish home. Rabbi Aryeh Kersner is the author, and he is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Kersner, Mazel Tov on the brand new book, and thanks for joining us here at JM in the AM. Thank you very much, and it's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate you having me. Oh, and we appreciate you being on. Uh, I, I Because there are other, um, other halachic works that discuss Shabbos and other situations in the Jewish home, why, Rabbi Kersner, did you feel you should write this one entitled Halacha at Home? Well, there are topics that aren't covered elsewhere, at least in depth, as it pertains to the Jewish home, and we felt that there should be a safer delineating the details that are very relevant and not covered in detail and in depth. Yeah, the 2021 Jewish home, Rabbi Kersner, is a lot different than Jewish homes have been in history. Am I right about that? Yes, that's right, that's right. <laughs> they and, they um, are very different. <laughs> yes, There go ahead. are topics that come up now that weren't around, uh, you know. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example, and those of you who are wondering, what do you mean, Nachum and Rabbi Kersner, the Jewish home is so different today than it ever was in history? Rabbi Kersner has an entire section on halachas of household help. How many times have we been... And Rabbi Kersner, I'll ask you the question, but I I guess I'm answering the question as I ask it. I mean, all of us have been guilty 
of being lackadaisical when it comes to putting the responsibility of kashrus and many other uh, areas of Jewish life in the hands of reliable, yet often not Jewish, household help. And, and it's way beyond just technically in the kitchen, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gigantic um, yeah. uh, overall problem. What would, how, would you, how would you classify it? It's, it's definitely a problem, but I think that when you talk to people, they start to get nervous as, as if it's a non-solvable problem. Right, good point. It's a problem that just has to be dealt with, but it's, it's something that could be taken care of if you have a little bit of knowledge and a wherewithal to make sure that the holes are, are you know, taken care of and the problems are avoided. So just for example, sure. you'll have many people that will call up and they'll say like, you know, I had a non-Jew in the house and I had some type of wine bottle, so I have to throw it out, right? But many cases, in fact, most cases, even though Lechatchila maybe there are different, you know, guidelines that will pertain to safeguarding from an issue that will arise, but the Dievit, in many cases, you'll be able to allow the the wine to be consumed subsequently, just because, as we go through in the book, there are many coolers that could that could mitigate the problem, at least with the Dievit. So these are the questions that sometimes people think that right. if I right. go through that halachic lens, it will cause me to have to throw out everything. Right. It's, not the, it's not the case. You just have to know where the problems are and how to solve them. Uh, you have an entire section on kashering Caleb, and I'm saying to myself, you know, is it that complicated? And then I look, and I see that microwaves and sinks and hot water urns and, and a lot of kitchen equipment and appliances that we never had before in history, you address. And again, I would say that if people would read each individual section of your kashering Caleb section, they'd get a perspective of how to deal with each one of these individual items. Yes, for sure. I actually initially only wrote on castering and tabling. Right. I, I actually I had COVID, and I was I was stuck at home, and I wasn't able to talk. Like I I got it pretty bad, and yeah. um, you know a friend of mine in Montreal said you should start writing to us instead, and it was right before Pesach, or it was right after Pesach was the Pesach time, right. and uh, I I had just noticed that people just were very confused, and, and it was very difficult especially during COVID, when a lot of people were making Pesach for the first time, the people had a very difficult time knowing how to kasher properly, how to table properly, what the guidelines are, and that was the first thing I wrote on, and then it just went from there. But yes, kashering and tifling is extremely important, and uh, it's not just, you know, some magical formula. There are, <laughs> That's for sure. There's a, you know, people think, you do this for this and this for that. And it's actually it's an interesting sukkah, which, which begs for further analysis. Halacha at Home is the book, an in-depth halacha guide to the Jewish home. Rabbi Arye Kersner is with us live via telephone. As I always suggest, when you go to artscroll.com, use promo code radio. It'll save you some money and it'll get you free shipping. You know, Rabbi Kersner, you just mentioned COVID. I have, I, I know people whose children, until they reach a certain age, of course, have never seen their father with tefillin because their father's always in shul. I would never dare daven at home. Because of COVID, obviously that situation changed. And you have an entire section on davening at home, 
can there be a minion in your house? And of course, the Sefer Torah is one of the situations that has to be deal with, if dealt with if there's a minion in the house. If you're home on Rosh Chodesh, do you say hollow with a bracha? When do you remove your tefillin? You know, if, if davening at home, because it might be different than when we remove our tefillin when davening with a minion. Isn't it amazing how COVID gave us an opportunity, gave you an opportunity to address so many of these issues that we never would have thought of? Yeah, definitely. These were halachas that were found in Shulchan Aruch and the earlier Paiskin, but just it wasn't relevant so much, right. and it just became relevant recently. Like stuff you would never have thought of would be pertinent. Lamaisa just became pertinent. By the way, by the way, because I know, I know, I know how these, this audience thinks. They're now curious. We do take off fill in the same time if we're davening Rosh Chodesh at home or not. Yes, yes, we do. Lamaisa. Lamaisa, we do. Yes, we do. Right, but, be- right but, before uh, When it comes to bracha on Hallel, right. as is well known, there are, are differences between Ashkenazim and Sardim. So wow. it's primarily uh, the, the psak is based on Ashkenazi psak, but the background is about the, the sugya, both relevant for Ashkenazim and Sardim. So the, the uh, basis of the halacha is, is universal, but the bottom line, we, we went with. At least in general, we went with the um, Ashkenazi practice. And then, of course, you have uh, other uh, uh, things that you discuss regarding the Jewish home, how to have a guest and the mitzvah of inviting guests into one's home, which now people, thank God, are able to can, to pick up and do again. Um, what, what happens when a woman forgets to light Shabbos candles? Um, uh, what happens about the about stucca? And, and I never even thought of this one, and you know, how many homes have stucco boxes that are full and are never getting emptied? You actually address the status of a pushka in someone's home and what and what that money should be designated for. Uh, honestly, before right. before you address this, Rabbi Kersner, I, it, it, even though I've passed that pushka a million times, I, ne- I never thought of the halachic ramifications. <laughs> yes. It's so, it's so funny how we live life with certain, you know, practices that we only think about sometimes after years you know so true and finally there are there are actually halachas of buying a home there are halachas of uh, many people know what the concept of ona is if you're not familiar with it um pick up the book and you'll see but uh, you know it, does that apply to real estate there are people that are you know that are doing construction on their home there is a jewish halachic way to do construction things that we would not even think about um, that are in Rabbi Kersner's uh, uh, book. And, of course, uh, mezuzah, people all the time wonder about where mezuzah does or doesn't belong and specific halachas of um, of mezuzah. And, Rabbi Kersner, I would argue that uh, part of establishing a Jewish home is making sure that the Jewish house uh, or the Jewish apartment is uh, built or maintained according to halachic specifications. Yes, I think that's the that's the root of it all. You got to start off on the right foot, and then everything else will follow. It's a halachic way of doing everything. That's really the bottom line. That's how, <laughs> that's how I would put it. There's a halachic yeah. way of doing yeah. everything. Oh, they say you should be a, build a bias nema be Yisrael. So part of a bias nema means faithful to God. That it has to be not just faithful to the residents, but faithful to God. The start off point is that you got to have halachically sound homes before you actually could bring in the shin in a proper way. So that's the uh, that's the goal. Before I let you go, Rabbi Kersner, there's one other point I want to make, which you sort of made, but I think it needs to be emphasized. Um, people need to look at your work 
um, in this over 300-page book about halacha in the home and not be intimidated by it. It's better to pick it up and learn these halachas and, and, and be guided by what is right and what is wrong than to just simply avoid it because one's afraid what they might read in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that if people actually will take the time to learn some of the halacha that pertains to a home, they'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Because many things they always assumed was a pro- were problematic actually, in fact, are not. So it's not just about being machmir when you don't have to be machmir, but it's just about knowing the background and the underpinnings of what halacha requires in a home. Yeah. Well said, well said. Uh, Rabbi Kersner, I thank you for joining us. Mazal tov on the book. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, and I, I appreciate you having me. Uh, our pleasure. The book is called Halacha at Home, an in-depth halacha guide to the Jewish home. It is our latest recommendation from our friends at Art Scroll. It's written by Rabbi Aryeh Kersner, K-E-R-Z-N-E-R. It's available now. Uh, do um, do what I always say regarding uh, artscroll.com, and you will benefit from it. Uh, always take this piece of Nahum Siegel advice. When you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code RADIO. If you do, you'll have a nice discount and you'll have free shipping. And our latest recommendation uh, to find at artscroll.com is by R.A. Kersner's uh, brand new book called Halacha at Home, an in-depth halacha guide to the Jewish home. More coming up. It's a Thursday morning edition of JM and the AM. That was my conversation with Rabbi Arye Kersner. The book is called Halacha at Home. Go to artscroll.com and use promo code radio. Next is Rabbi Daron Peretz, World Mizrahi. Rav Daron joined me to discuss the uh, latest campaign that World Mizrahi conducted on behalf of seminaries and yeshivot in Israel. My conversation with Rabbi Daron Peretz of World Mizrahi next on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, how ironic... And, and again, I remind everybody, the, the funeral for our dear friend, our Haver, our staff member, our brother, who was taken from us suddenly on Shabbat, uh, Mayor Weingarten, his funeral is tonight at 7 p.m. Israel time at Eretz HaChaim in Beit Shemesh, the Eretz HaChaim Cemetery in Beit Shemesh, 7 p.m. Please spread the word. We want the final kavod, the final respects for mayor to be as large and as dignified as possible. So please, those of you out there who know of people that would want this information, please make sure to get it to them. It's happening in Israel tonight. How fitting that our first guest, our first, and this is a coincidence, this is a total coincidence, our first guest um, post the uh, passing of our dear friend Mayor Weingarten, who was synonymous with Israel, is a Daron Peretz, who of course uh, leads World Mizrahi and is Rav Daron Peretz will remember with me, um, Mayor's father, uh, David Weingarten, my father, Rabbi Zev Siegel, were giants in the Mizrahi movement. Mayor, of course, carried on that mantle during his uh, during his life, a life that was cut short this past Shabbat, and has always been an incredible voice of um, Zionism and bridging the gap between Israel and the diaspora. And we had invited Rav Daron on because on Monday um, they were in the midst, World Mizrahi was in the midst of an amazing campaign, a fundraising campaign, with again all the yeshivot and seminaries in mind, uh, something that, that Rav Daron and everybody at World Mizrahi has been doing an amazing job at, especially during COVID, doing whatever possible for the yeshivot and seminaries. And we wanted to help participate in the campaign, but uh, obviously things changed 
for us this past Shabbat, and um, uh, we rescheduled Rav Daron uh, from Monday till today. The campaign's over, but Rav Daron will provide for us an address where people can still contribute if they want to be part of the effort uh, to support the yeshivot and seminaries in Israel. Harav Daron Peretz, an absolute honor, as usual, to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you very, very much, Nachum, and an honor and privilege to be always to be part of your show. We still remember, amazingly, the wonderful time when you came here in the 50th with Miriam and made such a difference to our whole event, uh, both in terms of the, the launch of the 3,000 people at, uh, at the, uh, the Jerusalem International Conference Center, and then during the course of the four-day mission, it was really special, and I'm so glad to, any time I have an opportunity to be on the show and to interact with you, I'm happy, so thank you so much for having me part of it. I appreciate that, and that, of course, was the historic Yom Yushalayim, and it, it's difficult this week, as you know, Rav Daron, for me to speak about Yom Yushalayim without speaking about our dear friend, Mayor Weingarten. Uh, he was the epitome of Yom Yerushalayim that week, and you were, of course, way too busy that week to know this. <laughs> but that week, when we did the show on Yom Yerushalayim from uh, the porch at Eish Torah, overlooking uh, Harabayit, uh, Mayor was on from the United States, uh, doing what he did for us every single year, including two weeks ago for Yom Yerushalayim, and that was, uh, you know, taking us through the battle for Jerusalem with all the recordings and all the Harabayit Biadenu and all the chauffeur blowing of Rav Goren, et cetera, et cetera. So he was such a major uh, part of that. And, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe our most recent pre-COVID Yom Yushalayim special, you carried on the, on the Mizrahi feed uh, when you did the special Yom Yushalayim programming uh, for the world audience. So... Essentially, we've we, we've we've all been partners in the effort to remind people about the uh, holiness and the uh, desperate need to hold on to Jerusalem. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I must be honest. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, know uh, Mayor Van Gotten very well, and I've heard unbelievable things about him. And now from you as well. And I'm really, really sorry that I didn't know him better. And what a huge, tragic, and sudden loss it is. So, Do you, know, uh, you know what you just reminded me of? You know what you just reminded me of? It's so, and, and, and your words are obviously so appreciated. You just reminded me that I had a note to myself that we must include Mayer now in Hamizrahi magazine. He had, such, wow. he had such insight into Jerusalem, Israel, the Hebrew language, the bridge between diaspora and Eretz and Medinat Yisrael. I said to myself, "What wow. a what a no brainer! We have to we have to include his articles in Hamizrahi." And of course, the truth is, maybe we will transcribe some of his amazing works, especially when we get around to the next Yom Yushalayim, and and hopefully we'll be able to partner uh, to help spread the word. And of course, in in advance, I'm thanking you for that, Harav Daron. I I don't know when you picked up this mantle. It seems like you've picked up a lot of mantles over the last few years since you took over with World Mizrahi. How did Mizrahi all of a sudden drift into the area of being there when necessary for yeshivot and seminaries in Israel? Yeah, so you know, you know uh, a couple of things, you know. Obviously, in, uh, in, in every crisis, there's a tremendous opportunity with all the obvious challenges of a crisis. With challenges come opportunities because it's often a shirat kelim where you have a chance to relook at things and, and you've got to somehow operate differently, A, to respond to the crisis at hand. 
And then often beyond just the crisis, it creates vistas of opportunity to operate differently. And I think one of those opportunities happened a year ago with uh, COVID, with the fact that many yeshivot and seminaries uh, in Israel uh, encountered lots of problems. So I'd just say, firstly, part of the Mizrahi mission any uh, movement aspiring to be a global movement, a global religious Zionist movement, has to believe, which I f- fervently believe, that one of the, the critical success factors of Mizrahi world movement has to be how successful are, is the gap year experienced in Israel. If, roughly speaking, there are three to 4,000 young men and women coming every year from, let's call it, the broader Mizrahi world uh, from around the world, right. if they're coming for a gap year experience, Quantitatively, are the numbers going up? And qu- how is the qualitative experience? We all know 40, 50 years ago, not many people came to gap year experiences, and, and, and it's, it's just totally mushroom. So the engine, I believe, of the, the, the leadership engine of, uh, of uh, diaspora jury, so much of it comes out of these incredible young men and women who come to Israel every single year. Many will stay on in Israel and go on to leadership roles, and many go back to their communities, to campuses and stay on in their communities. And these are the creme de la creme. And uh, we need to do everything as a global movement to ensure that these experiences in Israel, the institutions which run them and do so much incredible work, and the students themselves are, every deserving student is able to come, that the quantity, nobody should not come because of, uh, of finances, and, and uh, uh, number one. And number two, it should be the most transformative experience that it could be. So we always believe that. And in the last six years or so that I've been at Mizrahi, well, Mizrahi, this was always one of those critical success factors that was on our strategic plan. What then happened was COVID. The, it all was born out of the fact that the, the Jewish agency went through enormous budget cuts, and some of it adversely affected the Massa program, which handed out right. uh, you know, scholarships to you know, handed out scholarships. Right. And there was an outcry because so many uh, institutions are affecting hundreds and hundreds of young men and women all of a sudden did not have the same level of subsidy, and their participation was in question. And that creates an opportunity for us. We realized there wasn't a group which was able to represent them, galvanize them to the Jewish agency and bring them together in front of my son. So hang on, uh, you know, we can't just take a million dollars out of the budget. I understand there isn't budget. What can we do about it? And thank God through a lot of Seattle Deshmai lobbying, we were able to restore the vast majority of that money and engage in a matching initiative where we, we would fundraise whatever the difference would be. We would fundraise that amount together with the Shibotan seminaries and the, we could access, uh, you know, the, the vast majority of funds which had been put back in place. So essentially the, the, the budget cuts as a result of COVID gave us the opportunity to go and lobby for and create an advocacy group for them. Right. And amazing things come out. And All then right. the second thing, which is just, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say there are a couple of, there, there are a couple of additional points I want to make, but I'll, I'll let you finish first. But, but, but my first question is, what was the campaign a success? Originally, we wanted to have you on in the midst of the campaign and really get involved, obviously, but we were derailed a bit. But as you look back at the last few days, was the campaign a success? Uh, so, uh, well, firstly, unbelievable. I was just firstly asking, answering the question, how do we get involved in it? Right. How we got involved in it was through this petach of, uh, of need, which was created a year ago. Right. But then uh, a year ago, we also did a fundraising campaign and we raised meaning we, we did a fundraising campaign with the Shibos and seminaries to raise as much money as possible for them. We managed together with Cause Match, our amazing partners in this process, done an unbelievable job to raise over $5 million, just wow. over $5 million last year. This year, this year, as I've just looked at the site now, it's on $5.7 million. Wow. So $5.7 million. Over 15,000 donors worldwide have contributed to the different Shibos and seminaries. And of course, 
each yeshiva and seminary has operated this in a way that they have approached their friends and graduates and donors, etc. What we have done, we've created the umbrella campaign to create the buzz. We've called it a Kimitzion Tetzay Torah, supporting the yeshivot and seminaries in Israel, the transformative gap you experience, no one should be left behind. So our role was to galvanize, bring together, create a buzz about it in the media, to do social media campaigns as well, because people are more likely to give when there's a buzz going on. Yeah. People feel they're part of something much bigger than them. So thank God, as of today, I think the site will open for a couple of days, even though the campaign is sort of a, the main part is over. $5.7 million has been raised, and we are absolutely uh, thrilled about thrilled about it, and are, are so appreciative that it's, uh, it's 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 done so well. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, huh, I have it in front of me now. Uh, the Mizrahi Cause Match campaign: five point seven three five million dollars total amount raised for all campaigns. It's a win-win, everybody. It's a win-win. These Shivotin seminaries are uh, are benefiting, and again, the strength of uh, our schools, the Mizrahi type schools in Israel. Uh, are is just getting uh, stronger and stronger with the support that they're getting. As Rav Daron mentioned, the campaign is officially over, but this link, this site, will remain active for the next couple of days. So if you want to contribute and be part of World Mizrahi Day a couple of days late of giving for yeshivot and seminaries in Israel, you could just uh, go to causematch.com and search Mizrahi, which is what I did, causematch.com, search Mizrahi. Again, right now they're at 5735 thousand dollars. Rav Daron Peretz, who of course leads World of Mizrahi, is with us live via telephone. Rav Daron, there's another piece that I want to um, mention regarding all this. Sure. And that is that, and this is not at all, and I hope people realize that I'm being sincere and truthful when I say this, because I have I say it often in reference to the Mizrahi movement, because it's had many iterations over the decades. Um, this is not at all a criticism of prior administrations. Every era is different. But in your era, you have been able not only to galvanize uh, the groups that you would expect to be under the banner and umbrella of Mizrahi, religious Zionism, you went ahead with this whole COVID situation and invited all the yeshivot and seminaries in Israel to fight alongside with you and really you know, with you under the same umbrella uh, for the funds that are necessary. And for the different things that are necessary, policy change, et cetera, right? We had to get students into Israel, policy change, et cetera, during this. And I don't know, you know, there are different, like I said, there's different eras in Jewish history. Thank God we're in an era where where you're able to build bridges and people accept the, the, um, uh, the gesture, you know, to build a bridge and to work together. So I think that's also an additional factor we should point out this morning. Yeah, I mean, I, I think also, yeah, I think also the fact that we've all been in the same boat during this crisis. You know, so many incredible things have come out of it because everyone was in the same boat. The, 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 the budget cuts were the same for all of the different institutions, and uh, the need to get into the country was the same for the institutions, and the ongoing need to navigate the challenges of this last year has been the same for everyone. So, once you're involved in something, you know, then uh, you know, try and make it as broad as possible and let everyone benefit from it because you know, then in there's a lot of there. So. Yeah. I think it really has given an opportunity, and I think so much good has come out of it. There's also, you know, the the good of the Shibot and seminaries as well, which has also created out of this, which has added so much value in different ways. And 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 I think so many good things have come out of this, which I think is, I mean, I just look at the WhatsApp groups that I'm on with heads of the Shibot and seminaries on, on so many different levels. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you and know, they never yeah. they never felt part of a network before. 
and you've created yeah. a network for them, which is so vital. We, we are we yeah. are we are greater. It is greater than the sum of its parts. When when, yeah, when, exactly when right. and and that's what you've created, and I think that needs to be recognized. And again, the outreach to other groups has to be recognized. Uh, you know, there's not yeah. there's not always a consensus. We know how you know, we know how how our community works. There are those yeah. there are those who don't make an effort to reach out to those who may have different philosophies in Hashkafot, and there are others with you know who and there are those who have other Hashkafot and philosophies who wouldn't reach out you know to those you know from the Mizrahi angle. So I th- I think that that yeah. the achdut that's being created. And by the way, here's my greater point: it's not just COVID. It, we we see what you do with the magazine and who you invite to participate. Some of the people you invite to participate are not known as the epitome of religious Zionism, but they have something to add. They have something to contribute to the discussion about Israel and the discussion about Jerusalem. And I think that's why, you know, it, the COVID was not just a coincidence. And it wasn't just about money and finances. I think because of your attitude, you were able to, to, to you know, reach out and, and include everybody because you've demonstrated that effort before. That was that's no, my no, appreciate that. Thank you. Now, I also think that, you know, religious Zionism can be a very broad tent, meaning right. what, what is religious Zionism? You know, there's some, some people who may be more Zionistic than religious, there's others who are more religious and a little less Zionistic, but right. many people would feel that they're deeply committed to uh, to aspiring to live a life of uh, Torah and, 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 and you know, and, uh, and Kiddush Hashem and Shmira uh, Torah Mitzvot, and at the same time are committed to the land and state of Israel. Yep. And uh, and one has to create as well, you know the, the I think you know we've the, the I say that the two I, I often repeat you know that the only two things in the Torah which are ever called a morasha and an active inheritance so certain of the the uh, commentators point out that it's called a morasha not a, a not a yerusha not a yerusha yerusha is something that you inherit uh, you can inherit it. Um, um, you can inherit it um, passively. A morasha is something that has to be bequeathed to you, and you have to be lahorish. You know, got you receive it from others, and you give it over to others. The only two things in the Torah which are called a morasha, an inheritance for each and every Jew, is the connection to Torah, Torah Tzivalan Moshe, Morasha Kilat Yaakov, and Eretz Yisrael. It says that Hashem promised in the beginning of Parashat Va'era, Hashem I promised to Harum Yitzchak and Yaakov and your forefathers and mothers to give you the land of Eretz Yisrael. And we know what Yisurim, we just experienced the last number of weeks of just the Yisurim, just to have our place yeah. under the sun, uh, and, and what we've endured through Hamas, an internationally recognized terror organization, which is not aspiring to any type of coexistence, but only to, as the charter says, and they've reinforced, and the head of Hamas said again this week, is the Jewish people do not have any legitimate right to any part of the land of Israel. And yet the only two things that the Torah clearly says is the Yerusha, the Morasha, the, the spiritual inheritance of every single Jew and Jewess throughout the generations is two things, a Kesha to Torah and a Kesha to Eretz Israel. And it's after these two things, which is the great challenge of our, of our generation, ignorance and assimilation and losing people through their lack of connection to Jewish people and Torah. And secondly, our legitimate right, which we've had the privilege in the last 73 years to return as a sovereign collective to the land of Israel. These are two great opportunities. And that to me is the core of religious Zionism. It's how do we bring the Torah and our values, which are, you know, the Torah values, uh, with its connection to the people of Israel, the land and the Torah, how do we bring that all together? And those are the two great opportunities of Jewish destiny, which through Hashem's grace have been presented today. That's what we're struggling over. And that's our mission to try and be relevant in, in those two areas.
Ah, Rav Daron, you're so amazing. Um, Rav Daron Peretz with us. At, at the risk of now, you know, <laughs> spending the entire hour with you. Uh, um, <laughs> one of the things we're learning as as you and everybody in Israel went through the most recent attacks from Hamas and saw the damage um, and and the loss of life to, to our brothers and sisters and the riots in the quote-unquote Jewish Arab neighborhoods of Israel, and now, frankly, what we're seeing here in the United States, we're, we're starting to look like some of the European cities where people have to think twice before if they look yeah. if they look noticeably Jewish before going on the street. I, I think I think one of the themes from this conversation that's developing is that we only have on on each other to depend. Obviously, we ultimately depend on the one above. But yeah. but we're gonna be we're gonna be fighting this fight alone if we can reach a consensus and have achdut more achdut than division. It's to our advantage. Yeah, there's no question. There's absolutely no question that um, at the end of the day, I mean, Chazal say time and time again that so much of the. Uh, in fact, I saw recently the Maldim says it on Oseh Shalom Yirmav Huya Oseh Shalom Aleinu and Os Hashem Ozla Moitein Hashem Yerechtam of Shalom. Ultimately, says the Maldim, as, as so many different sources indicate, that when there's internal Shalom. There's a klimachzik bracha that we're somehow able to find a place within Jewish destiny for all of us and, and, and can somehow find a way to get on. That's, uh, that's the key. I mean, it's crazy in Israel today, as, as you know, in the last yeah. two and a half years, we now, yeah. you know, there, there, could, there could be a fifth election. We, there's still, no matter how you cook this pot and no matter how you swing left or right, no one has a majority. And people having to rely on all types of political combinations that have never been entertained before because simply there isn't a clear majority to either side, either because of ideology or personalities. And 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 uh, and then we have this, uh, you know, then we have this constant reminder, uh, you know, of the enemy from without, which often galvanizes. And I think, unfortunately, Nachum, one of the things we saw the last two weeks is how divided so much of, you know, also American jury is about coming out with clear statements because the the whole sort of PR machine and the whole controversy around, uh, you know, around uh, what happened with, you know, Israel and its defensive war against Hamas yeah. is, you know, we, we can't even talk as one Jewish voice because there's so much complexity here. But we have to find a way. We have to find a way that the community can somehow find room for each other, resolve differences, be able to go together. Because, uh, as you say, uh, you know, uh, we, yeah. We have to rely on each other, and we have to uh, we have to create that internal unity. And once there's that internal unity and shalom, then everything will stem from that. And that is the hardest malocha before everything. And uh, that's that's the aim. That's the aim. No question about it. Uh, anybody who wants to participate, even post facto, in the Yeshivot and Seminaries campaign and strengthen the uh, Mizrahi Yeshivot and Seminaries in Israel, you can go to causematch.com. Campaign's officially over, but Rav Daron is leaving the link up for a couple of days. For anybody who'd like to participate, again, we would have been much more active if we did this earlier in the week, but anybody who does want to participate, you still have a chance right now. Go to causematch.com, simply search Mizrahi, and you'll see the success, thank God, that the campaign has had so far. Rav Daron, yeah. Rav Daron before I let you go, I have to add one more thing, which you'll you'll love this. I have a feeling you'll love this. Yeah. Yesterday, I had the honor of being um, of presenting a eulogy in memory of our dear friend Mayor Weingarten, and mm-hmm. and I I ended by saying to Mayor, I said that in a very emotional moment. Obviously, I I said to him it was not supposed to end this way, and then I quote 
I'm quoting myself now. We planned on being together in Jerusalem on April 16th, 2048. Yom Ha'atzma'ut, the 100th birthday of the state of Israel, the way our fathers were there 100 years earlier. Rav Daron, you're going you're gonna to think I'm crazy, but I want to put this on the calendar for the Jewish world. <laughs> I'm not, and I, yeah. <laughs> Mayor, you know, it's funny. I once heard an interview in Israel. When I was in Israel, I heard an interview. There was somebody trying to make an effort to have the 2048 Olympics in Israel in honor of the 100th anniversary of Israel. And, and I told this to Mayor. It was a serious discussion, like, you know, on one of the morning shows in Israel when I was visiting. And I told him, but of course, he thought it was, you know, it would never happen, et cetera, et cetera. But then I said to him that um, 2048, we have to start planning. We have to start planning. 100th anniversary, Yom Ha'atzmaut. All Jews from around the world have to try to be in Israel for the big celebration. Now, Mayor won't be with us, obviously. I mean, he'll, you know, he'll be with us, but not physically. Uh, but Rav Daron, I'm asking you as much as as crazy as this is, <laughs> we have to put it on the calendar, and time goes by quicker than we think, and we have to encourage young and old to make plans decades from now to be in Israel a hundred years after the big day. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I knew you'd absolutely. go for it. I knew you'd go I'd for say, it. <laughs> I'd say two things. There's two things about obviously the the dichotomy of life in general. On the one hand, you have to, you know, sh- uh, you know, you've got to dream, you've right. got to envision the future, you've got to plan for it, etc. And then at the very same time, as it said in English, you know, immense lacht and got trust. You know, immense trust and got lacht. You know, you you plan, a man muses and Hashem, a man plan. How's it go? A man plans and Hashem muses. So um, at the end of the day, you know, life is so unpredictable. And uh, as you said with Mayer, and uh, you had these big plans and things change. Yeah. And we should all, all of us should have the gazunt and the health and the and the all the good things to be able to get there. But one thing we know, Bezrat Hashem, Laaman Yisrael, that's where Klal Yisrael is heading, Bezrat Hashem. And to have that belief and planning and and and, and dreaming of of you know of that day of of a hundred years, a century of a. Of, of a modern state of Israel is unbelievable, and we for sure have to be dreaming and thinking really, really big. And then at the same time, knowing that Hashem has His plans, and then we plan for the, you know, you the 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 uh, the, the ongoing challenges of of the you know of life and, and and how things change and all the variables. But we have to have it both ways. Life has to be planned of to think forward and envision and plan and uh, and uh, you know and work towards the future. And then at the same time, live in the present. With all of the challenges, you know, they say, about, by the way, about the Israeli army, that because the variables in Israel are, are, so, are so fluid, both the political and military variables, that, you know, uh, things change so much that the Israeli army now in its strategic thinking, as opposed to having one particular plan, they're constantly planning for multiple variables, meaning what's always put before the, the strategy of Tzahal is, five or six different eventualities that you, you've got to con- continually prepare for different eventualities because you don't know how it's going to, so even when you plan for the future, you've got to plan in such a way that it could go in so many different directions. So it's almost, uh, you know, this way of, of, of dealing with this dichotomy. Yes, plan for the future. We don't know what the future holds. So at least on the way to the future is pl- planning all the different ways. So have the big vision. Yeah, so one, so one second. One second. Now, now I'm going to put the pressure on you, Rav Daron. Now I'm going to put the <laughs> now I'm going to put the pressure on you. Do we have a commitment that you'll join us for the Yom Ha'atzmaut special 2048? Or are you going to be way too busy that day? 
No, I have a commitment. All being well, it's all able and well to be there. 2048. There's Russia ship in 27 years time. There's Russia ship. Can't come out. All these days to be there. Uh, always a privilege and a pleasure to speak with you. A dash ham to everybody in Aretz, and thank you so much for continuing to lead us during these very challenging times. Thank you so much, and again, thank you to you and everyone at the Nacham Siegel Network. We really appreciate our partnership and all the amazing things you're doing for Klal Israel. We thank our partners also in this campaign. Cause Master, we've done an unbelievable job right, working true. together with Shivotan Seminaries, and all who are working at Mizrahi and in, and in our local branch in the United States, RZA, uh, you know, Mizrahi USA, led by the Executive Vice President Rabbi Ari Rokov and all of those involved over there. And all these Shibotan seminaries in Israel which are involved in this campaign, we should, all of us, as Rabbi Shem, all, and all of Klal Israel should have Seattle Bishmaya and be well and please God, only good things for Klal Israel and for, indeed, all of humanity. Hope to see you soon and hopefully it'll be in Jerusalem. Thank you, Rav Daron. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Rav Daron Peretz, our leader, World Mizrahi. Amazing, amazing, amazing man. April 16th, 2048. I could see Mayor rolling his eyes right now. <laughs> April 16th, 2048. Let's all, first of all, let's all pray that we're healthy and able to be there, but let's all plan. Let's all plan to be in Israel for the 100th anniversary of the State of Israel. Yeah, you have to dream. And Mayor and I spent a lot of time dreaming, and a lot of those dreams became reality. I don't want people to think that there was so much unfinished business. We did have a lot of dreams and things we wanted to implement that we spoke about all the time, but um, we, we we did a lot. We got a lot of them done, and hopefully many of them will continue. Wednesday morning broadcast, a reminder that our dear friend Mayor Weingarten is being laid to rest in Beit Shemesh, Eretz Achaim Cemetery, at 7 p.m. tonight, Israel time. Please, if he inspired you, if you knew him, if you didn't know him but he inspired you, try to be there and let's make his final kavod, his final send-off as large and as dignified as possible. 7 p.m., Eretz Achaim Cemetery, Beit Shemesh, tonight in Israel. They will... Um, they will um, Lay Mayor to rest as close as possible uh, to his father. The closest plot that was available to his father is where he will be uh, for eternity, uh, fittingly. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Wednesday morning, you're listening to JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Rabbi Daron Peretz. Thanks so much for tuning in. JM Rewind every single Tuesday at this time. Keep it here for plenty more coming up at the Nahum Siegel Network.